Welcome to What Won't She Say? We are Sonia Mastic and Sarah Zimmerman, and we have a lot on our minds that wants out. We are fortunate to know many powerful, hilarious, brilliant, and vulnerable women who will join us here to share their brains and lives. We'll talk about love, loss, sex, marriage, aging, parenting, mental and physical health, racism, sexism, ableism, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. It's fair to say it's true. What won't she say? (laughs) I I see what you did there. The the point is that we will share it all. Because sharing is caring. (laughs) Good lord. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on What Won't She Say? All right. Welcome to another episode. Today on the show, we have entrepreneur Jackie Smith. Uh, Jackie is a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, author, podcaster, social media personality, visionary, and witch. Yeah, you heard it right. Jackie Smith is the multi-talented founder of Coventry Creations, an internationally known rapidly growing candle factory in Ferndale, Michigan, as well as a co-owner of the magically quaint Candlewick shop spelled with two Ps because they're quaint, less than a mile away. And Jackie didn't just start a candle company. She jumpstarted an entire industry, being the first to market with her Blessed Herbal Candles in 1992 and paving the way for countless intention candle makers since. Nearly 30 years of success. Yes, this is their 30-year anniversary. Jackie is not only continuing to create beautiful and unique candles, she also podcasts, teaches spiritually, spiritual development classes, volunteers, and is a best-selling author of Coventry Magic and co-author of DIY Akashic Wisdom, Access the Library of Your Soul. She has dedicated her life to the mission of normalizing the words witch and magic in everyday life. How are we going to live up to that bio, Jackie? That's incredible. <laughs> you should have said lighting the path instead of paving the path. That is my only note. Oh, oh hey. Right? It was right there. It was right there. Right there. Okay. Uh, I feel like note made. Edit is ha- happening right now. Can you hear it? I was going to say, I feel like this has <laughs> got to be like <laughs> future <laughs> bio edit, you know? Like, absolutely, absolutely. We're so glad you're here though, Jackie. Hello. I am, <laughs> I am very excited to be here. I love it. I'm, I, I love talking to the two of you and it's a good time every time. Wow. That's, that's gotta be our new tagline. It's a good time. It's every a good time. time, every time. Oh, no, sure. That kind of puts a high expectations on it though. Guaranteed. It's a, it's a time every time. Is that okay? <laughs> it's a guaranteed <laughs> good time. It's, it'll be a time. But things will happen. So, so let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. So tell me, um, 30 years in the making. Uh, I mean, it's impossible because you're 30 yourself. So, I mean, right. since birth, you've been doing candles. So I know it's amazing. Is it an up- My parents let me play with fire that young. <laughs> For small business owning fetus. Amazing. Out of the womb, flame. <laughs> so how did it start out? Was it? Um, a lot like a lot of other businesses where you started it in your home? Oh yeah. That was, it was started on my kitchen stove. Um, and I spilled wax everywhere. So then I moved it to my basement, but, (laughs) but I, um, I started making holiday gifts for folks and, um, that's kind of how it started as, as things are tend to start just, just doing something, wanted to do something. I was, um, cash strapped. And I wanted to do some things for some people who are help who are helping me tremendously at that time. And, um, and I made these things. I made, I made the thing that nobody else was making and people went, what can I get another? And, and, uh, I ha- didn't think anything about it because it was just a creation from my heart. 
I wanted to do something. Now at that and, point, you couldn't just Google how to make candles. So how did you <laughs> teach yourself? I love that you said that. <laughs> I often tell my staff who is, they're younger than my business, which hurts my head a little bit. Sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and I say, I'm so old. I started my business before there was the internet. And they're like, what? And I said, I had to find my customers by opening up the yellow pages. And they go, what's that? Who they're the like, I, I wrote a dinosaur into work. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how did I figure out how to um, make candles? Well, first I did it wrong, wrong, wrong. It's the start of and, every great business story, right? And, and so I, I burnt um, a lot of seven day candles, you know, the, the tall ones, tall, skinny ones in glass that you mm-hmm. get at any botanica or, or spiritual supply store. And I'm like looking at it and I go, well, how hard could this be? And I'm at the grocery store and I see some canning wax and I see some yarn in my, in my house and like, how hard could this be? It's very hard. It's very hard. <laughs> I almost set my house on fire. This was not okay. <laughs> I was going to ask if there was any tragedies along the way. <laughs> almost. <laughs> and so I thought, I mean, I just have some, I had some twine and, and some canning wax and this, what could go wrong? And some herbs that I put in there, maybe some rose petals or something. What could, what could be bad about this? And so then I stumbled upon um, someone who actually had some candle making supplies at one point, because there were no candle making supplies at Michael's crafts or right. Joanne fabrics, or there was, it was Joanne fabrics at that time, not Joanne crafts. And there and weren't so, any like national candle stores in the malls and stuff probably then, right? No, I mean, it wasn't no, a thing that everybody was doing in their homes. Candles were not a thing. Right. I mean, the, you could find some candles, like some, maybe some votives or some tapers or maybe some pretty big pillars at, you know, Kmart because Kmart was a thing then. Yeah. Um, maybe at Hudson's cause Hudson's was a thing then. Sure. But And Chuck E. Cheese's. And Chuck E. Uh, Cheese's was a thing. Hello. No, no, I'm sorry. Showbiz pizza. Ago. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Showbiz <laughs> pizza. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, so you could find, um, a few candles here and there, maybe some scented candles, but really that was, that was it. And there was no such thing as soy wax back then. That was not a thing. No one had ever heard of that thing. So I just learned, I, I found and cobbled it together and, and made some ugly candles to start. (laughs) I'm sure Um, they were pretty in your heart. No, they weren't. (laughs) They weren't. And, um, but finding like candle making molds, um, they were really, really expensive because it wasn't a big, a really big industry at this point. So, um, I used some PVC tubes. I said some PVC pipe in my basement, um, two lengths of it. And I wanted to make 24 candles. Um, so I made, um, from two 10 foot PVC tube lengths, I made 24 molds. And that is why the blessed herbal candles are the size that they are. Oh, I've always wondered wondered that story. So this is a great point to point out right now too, is your candle making literally involves science and scientists. Yeah. Like, you know, for burn rate, cold throw, you know, warm throw, scent throw. Mm -hmm. And this also is a great, uh, point where we can say that's why really good candles are actually kind of pricey is because yeah. a lot yeah. of science and work and and it isn't it isn't someone in their kitchen with the pvc pipe anymore making candles yeah, right and um very rarely is it someone in their kitchen with a pvc pipe making candles because <laughs> you know what doesn't work really well is getting a candle out of a pvc pipe 
that was my next question. Mine too, <laughs> mine just like, too. like cut up the side of it to pull out the thing. Um, we, you know, we, we, I pushed it. I you know, like pushed my oh thumb my God, up like the bottom birth. and like pulled it out or, and if they were difficult to come out, we, um, I, uh, we made a plunger that, that, mm. like, that, um, it was like a little device. You put the candle in one and they, um, turned a crank and a plunger pushed it out. Oh. One Do you ever try we, cooking they, spray? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, we did. So like rocket spray. them out. <laughs> we used cam so spray. Like a, a potentially very terrifying looking basement with the <laughs> instruments you're describing. People didn't <laughs> know what you were up to down there. It was there. like Dexter. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, we would have deliveries of wax, like what's happening? And so we'd bring these 50 pound boxes of wax into our basement and then don't you want to know? Can- yeah. Ship candles <laughs> out of it. And, um, and so- the UPS driver was like, what? So, so how does this turn into a, a job at first? I mean, I guess you, you start realizing like, oh, people really enjoy them. I can sell them. Um, I didn't really believe it was going to in, in the beginning because I okay. was doing that. I was cleaning houses. I was making Ren Faire costumes. I was reading tarot cards. I was doing a whole bunch of stuff. And I really didn't believe that people would really want me to make candles for them because why wouldn't you make your own? I can make my own. Why wouldn't you want to make your own? It's not hard. Mm. I did it. You mm. could do it. And, and that's the thing that entrepreneurs for, forget because entrepreneurs are people who are just going to do the thing. We're going to do the thing. We're going to figure out how to do the thing. And we're going to figure out not only how to do the thing, we're going to figure out how to package the thing and market the thing and sell the thing and, and account for the thing. And we're going to do it with nobody else. And we're going to ask a lot of questions. We're going to be very inquisitive and, um, and we're going to go, okay, nobody's done it before. Well, I'll figure it out. And, um, and then you turn around and you go, oh, I guess I'm doing it completely wrong according to industry standards. And then you realize you've innovated. It feels like your story is a bit like you also turned around and said, oh, well, this is what I'm doing now. Like it kind of crept up on you. Yeah, very much so. So I, I, um, was going to move to Seattle, uh, before I started Coventry, I was going to move to Seattle with my ex-husband and we were going to, um, cause there was no jobs. It was 1992 and there were no jobs in Detroit. And Seattle was one of the few places where there was really high employment. Um, jobs making were everywhere. Grunge, making flannel shirts. Yeah. Stuff. Making flannel shirts. Yes. <laughs> and, and aeroplanes, aeroplanes, aeroplanes say, say it really incorrectly. And so we, um, I scraped some money together, sold some candles, scraped some more money together, made some more candles and bought some airplane tickets. And we flew to Seattle. And then when we got there, um, Boeing laid off most of its workers mm. the day we got there. So it's like this, this, like this amazing, it's like, it's like the Coventry lore. Um, we landed in Seattle and the headlines read Boeing lays off 30,000 people. I mean, like, like, it's like, holy shit, what are we going to do now? Well, I had just happened to make a whole crap ton of candles and I was going to go sell these candles to pay for the trip so we could eat while my ex-husband was going to all these job interviews. I see some planes, trains, and automobile here where John Candy selling the shower rings as earrings and like they're made of helium. They're made from space age polymer and. (laughs) <laughs> so I was schlepping these. Yeah. Right. And so we had to pay for the rental car and some food and some bread and some peanut butter and some jelly. And, um, and then, you know, the plane ticket back home. So, so I, I'm, so now my ex-husband's with me and we're driving around selling these candles and going from this store to that store. And I'm like, 
It's so low tech. So I got these candles that I made. How much are they? Um, I don't know. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Hang on. Give me a minute. <laughs> How about $3? And you know, it's like, how's that sound? Or like three dollars because it ends up yeah, yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. Will you pay that much? Will you pay me Tuesday for a candle today? And um, I sold every single one. Wow! I sold every candle that I came with, and and it's really kind of adorable because back in the day you didn't have a limit on the luggage that you could take. So I had four boxes, these giant boxes of candles, and and if um, the blessed herbal candles look like little sticks of dynamite. And, um, like they're narrow like that. Yeah. So there was these boxes that were like, like 24 by 18 by 24 inch boxes with, I didn't know how to pack a box. They're just all candles. (laughs) And so (laughs) they get totally, the boxes are like crushed coming out of the airplane, (laughs) but the candles were okay. And, um, they're sturdy folks. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was working for, um, a software development firm and they had, they were replacing their um, letterhead because those in the days when you actually had to have a ton of letterhead. So I took all their old letterhead and I used the back of it and I made my labels on the back of their letterhead. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool story. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so my labels were great because I got free paper <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had secured them on with rubber bands because everyone has rubber bands you need don't you need so it was like this signature thing at the beginning is like i had these labels that were secured with rubber bands and why not and um yeah i just i went store to store and sold all of them and then by the time i got home there were um like four messages on my answering machine of stores that were vacationing in seattle um Mm. at the same time i was and they found these candles and they're from other parts of the country so one from california one from Las Vegas, one um, from like New York. And they just, they, they happened to be there at the same time I was and they saw the candles and I had my, my phone number was printed on the label. I mean, there wasn't a website. There was no web. No, there was. (laughs) And my address was on the label. Sure. Cause there were no creepers then either. Right. My home, home address was on the (laughs) label. (laughs) And that's just how it, how it started it so just, you're you're immediately a wholesaler immediately like right out of the yeah. get-go you're a wholesaler yeah i never intended on being a retailer i never wanted to do that it was, mm. i always wanted to sell it to stores um I, it never entered my head to sell it to individuals um can we tell them now i know this is a question to ask off the top of your head around about at, to this day now how many people do you wholesale to roughly um, we were at about a thousand stores. Wow. In seven all over di- the U.S. Seven oh. different countries. Majority oh U.S. God. Majority U.S. And then, um, okay, 99, no, 90% U.S. And then the rest, uh, then a lot in Canada mm-hmm. and then a sure. few up elsewhere. It's very dark in Canada. They need, need a lot of light. <laughs> a lot of warmth <laughs> and light. Mm-hmm. So then when does this, let's fast forward a little bit. When does this go from, this is a job to this is a business because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs do that two-step. I don't know a lot that just go right into this is a business. It usually starts with this is a job. And then you have to make a decision at some point in your career that this is a business. It was pretty fast. Honest, okay. honest to goodness, it was pretty fast. I really only personally made the candles myself every day for about a year. And then I started hiring people so I could 
go and sell more. Um, I, I really, cause I honestly, I love, I love what I do. I love that I make candles. I love designing the candles, but I don't want to make them every day. Hmm. I want to just do other things. I want to make other things. I want to design other things. I want to talk to people. Um, so I, and I had people in my life who needed a job. So that's kind of really how it like quickly became something else. Cause I could, I realized I could hire you, this person who needed a job and needed to make money to do this part. And I could go sell more yep. so I could have more work for you to do this. This is just how my brain worked immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the thing about Coventry's first five years in business is we doubled every year. We just immediately skyrocketed and we had within the first couple of years, we had people knocking our products off, just like, we're like literally photocopying our labels and, Mm. and cutting and pasting and rearranging them and say, acting like that was their own. And what, um, what drove you? Cause the one thing you'll, you'll see, and we'll put a link to Coventry's page, um, you know, when we post this podcast, but what I find so appealing and such a draw to your product is I didn't know you forever. I've lived in Ferndale for over 20 years. And so I walked past the Candlewick shop all the time. And when I went in, what was so alluring to me was the packaging. It was so interesting. It was so fascinating. And what, what made you understand that there was, that you had to have that attention to detail to, to your packaging because your branding to this day is really on point. You spent a lot of time into your branding and, you know, is that something that sort of developed naturally as you went along? Um, as I was developing the packaging for it, I, I my theory was I needed to give somebody five reasons mm. to purchase my product. And um, I, I, it just, I needed to give somebody five reasons. So at first was they needed to see it from a distance. So it needed to be a bright color. A lot of candles you see now in containers, they're um, white. Mm, the muted, yeah. They're, they're white, they're, uh, like, and it's actually a lot easier to make a whole bunch of white candles with different scents because you don't have to clean the pot out. You don't have to figure all that stuff out. You just have a white candle with a different scent. But I wanted color. I wanted, you, it has to draw your eye. And then it has to smell good. When you look at it, you have to be appealing to the, to the senses. Um, it has to mean something to you. So it has to resolve an issue like prosperity, happy home, love, happiness. So it has to really speak to an immediate need. So there's number three. Um, it has to um, um, have a purpose for you. So it has to speak to an immediate need. And then as you look at it, it has to then have a purpose for you in your life. So that's the blessing. It, it has mm-hmm. like, okay, there's a prosperity candle or a happy home candle. And then you read it and what is its connection or purpose in my life? So that's four. And then um, what was the fifth one? I don't know. There was a fifth one in there, but anyway, there was five. I can't, think I think that was your five. One. Actually, you, you did a couple together. So I, th- I okay, think you had thanks. them all. Yeah. 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 So, so as I, I put it together, it just had to have all of these things. And I wanted to teach people. I, I'm so loving the manifesting intention work magic. It's something that I've loved in my entire life. Um, even as a kid and going to church and, um, being interested in spirituality and being interested in, in connecting and co-creating, I didn't call it co-creating when I was a kid, but I just wanted it to be close to di- the, to divinity. I've always wanted that in my life. And, mm-hmm. but it, I wasn't getting it in the church, especially as a woman in the Catholic church. It wasn't, mm-hmm. just wasn't going to happen. Is witchcraft a religion? 
No. Okay. Tell us what? about witchcraft, right? The yeah, real true. Yeah, because one thing is always it's a religion. And even I thought that for a long time. So some people will disagree with me that witchcraft is a religion, but it's not. It is, um, it actually is a craft. So it's a craft. It's, it's it is a way of um working in your own spiritual path. Hmm. So um, and it might be um that you're working with herbs and you're you're using the energy of herbs or you're using the energy of the, the of astrology of the stars you might be using energy of the stones or you're you're using the energy around you using the things around you to affect change it's really what you're doing is you if you are working with the energy around you to affect and using your intent to affect change in your life you're doing magic and and you're doing witchery you're doing witchy things um you're you're setting an intent out there it's it's kind of as simple as that your, your setting in a tent is, is the thing that um, I have loved the most about it. Truth and disclosure, uh, Jackie is one of my clients and I do the social media marketing for them. My business rise above the din does. And so somebody that knows nothing about it, I had to jump, you know, feet first into it and understand it. But I also had to um, personally align with it and agree with it. I, I don't take on products that I don't understand or I don't like. Mm-hmm. And the most beautiful thing that I like about it is how much for myself it intersected with like Buddhism, meditation and intentionality. Mm-hmm. It weaved this beautiful thing of like, you know, buy this candle and, and the candle is going to remind you over and over and over, depending on what the candle is for, of what you focus your intentionality on, what, what you're trying to open up and bring into your life and, and manifest in your life. And so that part of it, I find just it's just beautiful. It's just a really, really lovely way to remind people like the simplicity of things in life. And that is a very simple thing you can do to regulate, to ground and to, you know, set intentionality for your day and your life. And, and you don't have to be a witch to use any of these products. And most, I mean, I call myself a witch and, and I, I'm in the minority at Coventry. As far as that goes, I don't, I don't ask, actually ask anybody what their spiritual path is, what they, uh, whether they even believe in what we do. Um, I just ask for you to respect what we do. Um, so that, um, it, so it goes far. My, my, um, my, so I, my biggest, what do I want to say? So my contribution to the world, Coventry's contribution to the world is empowered belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I know not believe, but I know that what we believe we manifest. So we make, we make into create into the world, what we believe. And, and even we can set an intention all day long, but if we don't believe that intention, if we don't believe that we can be fabulous or, or skinny or (laughs) rich or whatever, we don't believe that that can be part of our, our life. We'll never manifest that. So if we can empower our belief to, to align with what we want to have in our life, if we can empower those beliefs, we can do anything we want to do. So that is all of my products are about that. That's amazing. Um, and if you're telling people that they can get rich or skinny with candles, you're going to have them lining up. (laughs) That's like a guarantee that you have. (laughs) It's not a guarantee that you can become rich or skinny, but what you can do is start to address the things in your life that are 
stopping you or making you afraid of becoming those things. Gotcha. Or, yeah. or forcing those things to define you. Um, right. When I right. stopped allowing those things to define me to be my ultimate goal, then um, when I, when I stopped have, saying, I want to be a millionaire or I want to have this million dollar business, when that is no, was no longer my goal, when my goal was to be comfortable, profitable, um, secure, financially secure, profitable is not the word, financially secure, and to be able to share that financial security with everyone around me and everyone that works for me, suddenly we were a very profitable com- company. And you think it was from your changing your intent a little bit, the way you're yeah. looking at it. So tell Absolutely. us about that, about you, you've mentioned a couple of times, making sure that your employees, um, are part of the success. Like they are also achieving success with this, within this business. Tell us about that. You know, it, as an entrepreneur, one of the most difficult things you can be as an employer, it, it really yeah. is the hardest thing customers are great because they either buy or they don't. It's easy peasy. Um, vendors uh, ideas are great. You, you can find them, you can do them, you can create them, but employees are the hardest thing because you have to have continual buy-in from them. And when that buy-in ceases, it's no longer, um, a good cohesive alignment where everyone's rowing in the same direction. And that buy-in is not just, do they believe in you, but do they believe in their themselves and their place in the company? Um, it's been a really long journey where, um, as an employer, uh, you know, when I come, I came up in the eighties. So, so being a boss mm-hmm. was a real top-down heavy. Yeah. Ended. It was mm-hmm. like bosses are jerks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was very control you must do as I say and I was 24 years old when I started my company so also there's I didn't know how to do anything and I Mm -hmm. didn't have really have any role models that sunk in I might have had some great employers or great bosses but there wasn't enough time for it to sink in for them to be um to be mentors for me. So when you certainly hadn't read the books or thought about what your leadership style would be or any of that stuff, when you were just what leadership books, there were no leadership books. Thank you. And PS leadership books are written for men. They're not written for women. I have a whole thing. I could do an hour on that. Anyway, leadership books written for white cis men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you think about it, everything is everything that women naturally do um, leadership books talk about. So all the women that I'm talking to are going, but I feel like I'm inadequate as a leader. Cause I do these things, but apparently it's not enough. And I, and it hit me. I'm like, yeah, we already do this stuff. So right. ignore all that. We're already compassionate. We already, um, people where we are, we already listen, care about their needs. We already do that stuff. So none of that stuff is for us. And so, so many women I know who are reading these leadership books are thinking that they need to do more of that when it throws us completely more out of balance. Anyway, back to the whole thing. So you're um, saying these men are reading these books just to become more like women, 100%. but they would never know that <laughs> or say that. Okay. Got it. Go on. Um, so I'm going to write a, a leadership book for women and cool. the title is stay in your own lane. It is not your problem to solve. Mm. Mm. Oh. Now, we're, right? now we're diving into something I feel juicy out here. right now. Jeez. <laughs> right. 
this is not my problem to solve because you think you have to solve all the, anyway. Yeah. So, so as a 24 year old, um, trying to figure out how to lead a bunch of other 24 year olds or being a 27 year old and I am employing like 30 and 40 and 50 year olds and, and, um, and I have a new baby and I, all this stuff going on, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And there's really, you're down and in, and you're just running your business. And over the past, and so now thinking back the past 10 years, they've really dug into, or actually now the past 15 years is really dug into learning how to run a business rather than have a business run me. Cause that's, uh-huh. the, that's the flip that happens. It's like, you can, right. you can, um, your business runs you for a long time and, and, um, you think you're hot potatoes and you think you're amazing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you go, Oh, I could actually, um, run my business instead of my business running me. And, can we discuss and then- how cute hot potatoes is by the way, <laughs> that's the most adorable <laughs> quaint thing. So this is a great turning point here. I want to talk about, I feel like a lot knowing a little bit of your story, a lot of your turning point was you finally understanding that you had to invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. Talk about that for other entrepreneurs, like how important it is to actually pump the brakes and invest in yourself. And trying not to control every single tiny thing, like staying in your lane when it feels like all the lanes are your lane. Yeah. Yeah. So investing in myself is not just investing back in the business but investing in Jackie Smith. It's so hard for it not to become your identity. Right. And so the overlap there is so significant. When you're um, as a business owner, and I, I talk about this a lot is that I didn't pay myself as at one point when business was in the shitter, I didn't pay myself for two years. And then when the years I did pay myself, it was like, I got one paycheck to everybody's four. So I, you know, the leaders eat last and I pay myself right. last. I'm like, well, that was not a problem. Again, leadership books are meant for run. Um, paying myself last was not an issue because I thought, well, I had to take care of everyone else, but when I'm going hungry, so how can the leader or the boss, um, the person who, who all of the weight of this company, not only the credit, mm-hmm. um, the responsibility, all the decisions and everything. And I, and I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money to put food in front of my child but I made sure you have food in front of your child. Totally. Yep. Um, that was a big wake up call of, no, I, I can't give to everyone else more than I give to myself. So investing in myself was a slow learn growing up Catholic and growing up in a large family. It was drilled into my head. I'm one of nine kids. Mm. Um, and so it's in a big family, it is drilled into your head that you, you never, ever take anything for yourself. You only take what's offered to you. And for you to want any, a second helping or anything extra is, was to be greedy and was to be evil. That's a major sin. Yeah. Major sin. And women are taught that in general, I think too. So you had it kind of coming up from all places. Yeah. Oh yeah. So as a woman, as a a, a daughter, as one of a large family, the whole, all Mm -hmm. this stuff. So, um, saying, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going to, um, do things differently. I'm going to be successful for myself. I'm going to start being the, and and this started with being the voice of my own company and, and owning that success and reinvesting in myself and, and, and things like, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and pay for a haircut. You know, I'm going to have my hair. <laughs> and it done. seems like such a splurge. Like, yeah. Instead, back, of, right? instead of trying to color my own hair, which, you know, made my bathroom look like a murder scene once again. Right. <laughs> back to Dexter again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so investing in myself personally. So I had the energy It's putting your own oxygen mask on. So I had the energy to then come to work and be present for everyone right. else. So when I can't be present in my business because there's no energy left, then um, I can't take care of all the things that need to be taken care of or, or look and see, oh, people here aren't happy or something else is going on. So being able to take care of myself and then not resent having giving, allowing other people to be successful in the business as well. Mm-hmm. So, so taking care of myself allowed me to see, you know, during um, when the pandemic started, and looking up and looking around, because we've always paid above uh, minimum wage, uh, above the going rate. Um, and then um, the pandemic hit and people went home and then they got a lot of money between the states and the feds. <clears throat> they were making more money at home than, than we, they would with me pulling them back, but I needed them back. And, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't in my heart pull them back when I knew that they did not they finally had enough food on their plates with all this money. So I worked, we worked really hard and we figured it out and we figured out how to, how to pay them that to come back. And it wasn't easy yet. As soon as I did that sales started flowing in, Mm. it was, it was insane how, how the reciprocity of the universe immediately worked. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't do it for that. I just did it because I felt it was the right thing. And I decided, so taking care of myself and then reinvesting in my business saying, I don't want to work in crud. I don't want to work in um, everything breaking down. I want to work in a lovely environment. I want to have good equipment, things like that. I don't want to trash pick everything all the time because I did that for years. And then saying, I want to pay people a good wage, a decent uh-huh. wage, a living wage. Um, cause we're, we, you know, we're not doing rocket science here. This is an entry level job. Um, and, and I, and I want people to feel good about what they're making. And then the universe responding so quickly and, and it's been a really good ride. So, I, and I didn't resent that I was able to do that because I took care of myself and had my own oxygen mask on at the same uh-huh. time. So now I could have, I had this for everyone. I had, I was pre- able to be present for everyone and, um, and I was able to make it work. I, I don't want to say I, but our whole team was able to make it work and, and, and just kept going from there. But it was um, also like a neck break pace suddenly. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're going into a pandemic. I'm in marketing meetings with you. We're all talking about like, how are we going to make this work? Are we going to have this, is the bottom going to fall out for people? purchasing, you know, mm-hmm. things that basically, you know, a lot of people don't feel are necessary. Like luxury, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of people, some people feel they're very necessary, but some people feel it's luxurious. And, um, but I want to, I really want to emphasize, and it's something you should be proud of, of like during a pandemic, you raised the rates significantly of all your employees. You bought, you moved to a new building, double, almost doubling your space. To you, keep everyone separate. The point was to so yeah. people could come back to work and so and safely safely come back to come work. to work and be able to survive. But I mean, it's and a beautiful it, space, and and you, now you can you know you're you're producing more product and 
it was it was it was like this genuine like triple fold uh, you know cascading thing which i didn't even see because i didn't also didn't know how things were going to go through this so right. how scary was it that I mean, i'm assuming you had to raise, raise your prices some with mm-hmm. these big changes so how scary well, was that not anymore um that scariness of raising my prices i got over that years ago decades ago because i can say that um when um hey listen you don't go to the gas station and they apologize to you because the price of gas is higher. The, the grocery store does not apologize to you because the milk and the crackers are higher. Right. Um, you don't go to the gap. The gap does not apologize to you because, because your fast fashion is, is higher. Um, I'm not going to apologize because I need to raise my prices. I used to feel like that for a long time because there, there's that cat, good Catholic guilt that was coming in. Sure. <laughs> I, oh, I must be so greedy. And unfortunately in in parts of my industry, um, there's a section of my industry that's very poverty conscious. Um, they, they, um, I could do it cheaper. I could do it better. Um, how dare you make money? Cause they don't take care of themselves first. They don't put on their own oxygen mask and, and they bel- and belittle you for doing it. Right. Yeah. And so when I, when I teach classes this to the segment, I say, I, one of the things I say is like, let's get out of this poverty consciousness because it's okay. It's okay for you to have. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, and it's actually very earthy and good for you to take care of yourself. And there's, you're not selling out by being comfortable because mm-hmm. there is enough. There's enough in the universe. You know, it's, it's really hard to say that during times of recession and, you know, in, in, um, 2002, and then in 2000 and you know, just different times <laughs> been in business enough times I could start um, talking about the different recession years, <laughs> all the bad old days, <laughs> the bad old days. Yeah. And I was in 2007, I think um, the bottom like fell out 2000 in 2008. It was really rough. And, um, and I, I always talk about how there's enough. And then someone was pushing back on me. I said, Oh, tell that to, all of the um, dot-com people who can't find a job right now. And I said, there's still enough. There's still enough in the universe. Um, Some people look like they're hoarding it Mm -hmm. and there's still enough. They don't, they don't look like they are. They are. (laughs) Yeah. So, so why, why are these people able to figure this out and, and figure out their part and they're enough and these, and, and you're not. So what do you need to tap into? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're at fault. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you've done anything wrong. I'm just asking you to think about what, what's, what fear is between you and the next thing. Cause I have to do it to myself all the time and say, um, what am I? Cause so I was in the middle of that too. Cause at that point, man, my, my sales were still tanking. They were not they were not great. And I had to refigure out how to grow my business. Set your um, intention again. Set my intention. Yep. I was, it was really scary because I bought uh, the candlebook shop right around that time. Um, and I didn't have the money to do it. And I didn't have um, the money at Coventry. And I was trying to run these two businesses and grow this stuff. And it was, it was rough. It was really rough. And, um, but then this opportunity came in front of me and I, I went ahead and did it anyway. Um, and it's crazy because I ended up buying the candlewick shop for $3,000. Hmm. The store, it, it was already a built storefront. It, it was a storefront. Wow. Um, so, 
I gave them a $3,000 deposit and I was getting a loan from the bank. And um, it was another one of these days. It was the day I was supposed to sign for my, my loan. It was the day that Congress voted down the first bank bailout. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to the bank and um, I had an appointment to sign for my loan and the bank manager handed me a letter from corporate saying, we are not lending anymore. Mm. And not only were they not lending, they were calling in loans. And um, it was a frenzy in the bank that day. People were crying. It was nuts. And so I just took that letter over to the guy who was buying the store from yeah, it was like the twenties. Like the run like, on the like, bank. Yeah, it's yeah. a wonderful life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. it's like are people going to start jumping out of windows? What's happening? Here? So I went ja- to the Jackie. Gym. Why do you want a loan? Your your money's in in an old man Johnson's farm, and <laughs> right, yeah. So I went to the guy who was going to buy the store from, and I said, um, "Did you watch the news today? Here's my letter." And uh, and he w- he had his truck packed, and he was moving to Florida that day, <laughs> and and I said. I said, I cannot buy the building, buy the business from you. I wasn't buying the building, buy the business from you. And um, I said, so what do you want to do? I said, I can help you pack it up. I know you're leaving town. Um, I feel terrible about this, but there's not nothing I can do about this. And he looked at me and he goes, all right, write up an agreement and you'll pay me off in a year. Mm. And, and in essence, I took over the business and I sold all the inventory and paid them off. Wow. Mm. I mean, I didn't think about it that way in the beginning, but then I thought about in going retrospect. Yeah. In retrospect. Holy shit. Wow. So I bought a business for $3,000. Mm. And, and so, um, and he got all his money, you know, he got all of his money, um, in the long run. It just was like, so those are those, those are those moments, those opportunities when you, when you go, what, what's the right thing for me to do right now? And it's scary. Cause I could have totally walked away and said, Nope, no way. Right, right. But you look back and you're like, that was my golden path. And I just, that was yeah. the next step on the golden path, right? Like it, it was meant to happen that way. And it, and having the store changed my life in, in a lot of amazing ways. And then actually it grew Coventry mm. because it allowed me to really, to get back into touch of what it was like to have a store and to interact with the retail customer and, and, um, but there's a lot of things too that, and I want to break this out a little bit for entrepreneurs that are listening, that are maybe struggling is there's, there's several things in this one, you believed in yourself Two, you didn't take no, like you, you met a roadblock and you still came back with what else could we possibly do here? You didn't, it wasn't just the one thing was the answer. I get the loan and that's pivoting it. before pivoting was cool. That's right. <laughs> I can tell you some pivot stories. Let me tell you. <laughs> but you were, you kept, you kept coming back and, and moving and sort of finagling, you know, mm-hmm. um, what expectations you, you kept mm-hmm. redefining expectations of what success looked like, what getting this looked like, what getting that mm-hmm. looked like. And I think that's really important lesson for entrepreneurs. I, I, um, I understand when you're tired and you're done and you're burnt out and you have to honor that moment to say, I, I don't have anything left to give. And if you're done, you're done. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm done. And it's time to, time to sell, time to close yep. time. to And that's a really honest to goodness way of caring for yourself. Um, I have been uh, over $300,000 in debt with no wax. 
it's hard to be a candle factory without wax. It's just, I don't know much about candles, but I would guess that that's true. There's two things you need. You need wax and you need wicks. Those are the two main things. If you don't have those two things, you don't have a candle. And I didn't have either, but, um, and I was $300,000 in debt. And this was back in, um, like the early two thousands. And I, I was just so, I didn't know what I was going to do was Patty. Patty is my business partner and my sister. And we were working like 60 hours a week, just the two of us, like making candles and packing candles and crying (laughs) and going home and eating a sandwich and doing it again the next day. And, um, and I figured out a way to get more wax and I figured out a way to get a little bit more wax. And we made eight of these candles and 10 of those candles and 50 of those candles. And we just inched our way forward and we kept doing it. So, cause we, we sat on my couch one day, um, not knowing what the hell we were going to do. Um, we were like hiding some equipment in different people's garages, just in case they came and locked us out. Oh God. (laughs) You know, those moments where you make those, those decisions, can you hide this for me? I mean, at least I have one wax pot (laughs) and a hundred mold to start again with. I mean, just as simple as that. And, uh, and and we sat on my couch drinking and crying and, and, um, deciding whether we were going to pack it in or not. And I said, I said, I, I want to work with you every day. I, I can't imagine my life not working with you every day. And she goes, I want to work with you every day too. And I'm like, well, what are we going to do? She goes, I don't know. I said, I don't know what else to do. I've been doing this so long. I don't know what else to do. And I go, well, why don't, and then we had this moment where we said, well, why don't we do this again? I said, okay, let's do this again. Let's start over today. Hmm. And let's do it different today. So if they lock the doors on us tomorrow, we're doing we'll it. Find a way. We're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll move into your garage or move into my garage and we'll just do it different today. So it feels like the over and over when you like relinquished, when you let go, let go. then you have freedom and things, mm-hmm. and then things started happening. Yeah. And there's, there's these different pivot moments in my life where I relinquish the control and I just let go. Um, in 2019, when I discovered, uh, July 1st of 2019, when I discovered my office manager had been embezzling from me. Yeah. She got, she got over a hundred thousand dollars and she cost me another $50,000 on top of that. <sighs> Sorry. And, it's awful, um, Cause that's such an intimate relationship too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so unpacking that and then um, I had a, I had a business coach at the time and, and she reminded me that I have empowered belief. So what are we going to do with this? How are we going to create this plus more? And we sat down and we wrote a list of 20 different things we could do in the next six months. No, in the next four months to generate $150,000 in revenue above and beyond what we already expected. And, um, and I'm like, there's no way, whatever this crazy here. I am the person who's all about intentionality and manifesting and magic and all this stuff, not even believing it, but kind of believing it. And, um, and you know what? We did it. We manifested $175,000. Oh, that's incredible. Well, listen, 
We do have to really start wrapping up here. This is an amazing story. Oh, I just, I just want to talk all day with you <laughs> and really quickly with, um, um, a few questions we ask at the end of every podcast. They're fun, frivolous. Uh, I'll ask one of them, which is, um, what are you reading right now? I am reading trash. Oh, tell us, I, do tell. We like trash. I am reading, I am <laughs> reading smut novels. Um, is that what that means? Yeah, a little bit, but they're, they're not very smutty. They're just, it's paranormal romance. I yes. read a lot of that. Oh yeah. Werewolf and vampire fucking novels. Fabulous. Oh yeah. Totally my Witches <laughs> and <laughs> ghosts. And you know why? Cause kind of has nothing to do with reality. Well, yeah. Right. Cause you know, it's just nothing. It's just put it down and like candy doesn't it's have candy. to be nutritious it's, it's just delicious yeah it's a brain candy i try to read i have like about 70 books on my kindle that are good for me books that just uh-huh. keep going to the bottom of the list and sometimes <laughs> i open them up and read a couple pages and go yeah it's a pandemic. We don't need to grow anymore. I'm good with smut, frankly. <laughs> technically, like, actually, what better te- person bought this book because it's not me. <laughs> not me. Technically, actually, technically, literally right now, just before this podcast, I was reading through the edits of my upcoming book. If I was to do some shameless self-promotion, please. Big book, big book of candle magic is going to come up in the fall. Very so cool. I was through what I wrote and the edits, and I was been making myself laugh all for the past couple of days, going, who wrote this? This is good. Nice. <laughs> Oh, that's right. good. I was afraid you were going to say the other, like, um, the other question we asked, there's a third question, but I, Lord, Sonia, oh, I, I can't it. for the life of me. Okay. Well, the, the one question I can remember is what makes you feel the most joyful and free and most you these moments right now, when I get to sit and chat with folks and, and, um, laugh and be real and like make circle conversations come full circle and tag Beautiful. and, oh, this, this is, this is the stuff when I can just laugh until I pee. Because I'm old enough to do that. Last Mm -hmm. one. Tell people you work in the magic community without telling them that you work in the magic community. The funnier, the better, but no pressure. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Or tell you people you're a witch without selling. Yeah. Like however you want to. Okay. All right. All right. Do you blow out your candles or do you snuff them? (gasps) Are you not supposed to blow out your candles? That's some people claim that I don't. Um, or my crystals are now in the moonlight. How about that? Oh, oh okay, good. Okay, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being so fun and transparent and, and, uh, you know, sticking around with us to chat. Oh, so much fun. I love chatting with you folks over here. What a good time. We would love to have you back sometime. Thank you. Anytime. Anytime. Have a good one. You you too. Thanks, thank Jackie. you for having you. me on. <laughs> of course. Thank you for listening to what won't she say? find us at what won't she say.com where you can also listen to our episodes and get access to all of our social media accounts.